Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome back to the 100th episode of the Interleague. I'll let that sink in. Some of you have probably been here since episode one, and we immensely thank you for that. Thanks, Some Ireland. of you have... Yep, thanks, Ireland. Shout out, Ireland. Some of you might only been here for one episode, and we immensely thank you for that. Tonight, 100 episodes brings our podcast to the likes of famed shows like The Simpsons, Seinfeld, Supernatural, Beverly Hills 90210. I've never laughed before, but couldn't stop it there. The X-Files, CSI, NCIS, and Futurama. All shows that have made it over 100 episodes. Some shows that's made it way over 100 episodes. And whether you're here with us or not, we're probably going to make it way over 100 episodes. So every couple hundred episodes, I'll say thank you. Spags? How's it going? So I agree you typically don't laugh. I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> so I thought that was a really good introduction. As I was like going through, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to make it through this next one. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to make it. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, rarefied air, rarefied air. Yeah. You know, it's hard to get here and it's hard to stay there. You know, it's, uh, you know, dedication, years worth of work, um, freedom, uh, time in your hands, boredom, you know, all those things. But, yeah, yeah. you know, mostly the want and will and the okay to be tired the next morning with no matter what you got to do. Yeah. It's uh, fairly accurate. You would think 100 episodes in, we uh, would be better about not talking about baseball before we start recording. We're still really <laughs> bad about that. That doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Tonight, a little different because we were watching the end of one game that was going on while while we were getting ready. So, uh, yeah, kicking off so a, close to the end. Yeah, kicking off a little later. Um, but yeah, but you know, only. Yeah, only right for the 100th episode to be on a Tuesday, to be honest with you. you know, Very true. Uh, yeah, even we, though it started on a Monday, I feel like 100 needs to be on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, we are a Monday-Tuesday podcast. Um, we planned out Monday being on 10-10. We thought that it would be very fitting. Um, that didn't happen. It's on 10-11 instead. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but life happens. You know, sometimes you got a dad. Sometimes you just need a day off. Uh, you know, it's, it's whatever. You know, yep. no, no harm, no foul. Yep. This um, podcast is, you know, family first podcast. So. Yeah. Team, uh, it's teams. not like the Rogan podcast, you know. We're yeah. not like the Rogan podcast. We don't put our, you know, we think about our peeps, you know. Yeah, there's there are plenty of franchises that haven't seen the century mark, you know. So, so we're there. Yep. For it. Yeah, yeah that's how I, I figured rarefied air, you know. Um. But yeah, it's uh. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, you're well. You're well behind me now. It is not. Oh. It is not a uh, the normal route of what uh, it was. Yeah, it's on commercial break when I hit live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they, they pulled Clevenger after that happened. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, Evil Empire pitchers. 
yeah. Started. Well, <laughs> hey, hey. One. hey, three out of four is pretty good. Well, and Clevenger technically isn't like, yes, he was on my roster, but he was pretty much bench. on the bench majority of the season. It was a just in case option. Yeah, it it was very much a, uh, hey, I'm going to play the matchups and that like, or hey, I really need a starter. So I'm going to go with this guy. Um, and that's exactly what San Diego did in, in this game one. Like, hey, we just played three games, you know, where I need to get we need to get back on normal rest. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, so I don't know, I don't know where you want to start. We have a few options, I guess. Um, I think it makes the most sense because they're kind of coming to a close that we either discuss fantasy real quick or Cardinals because this will um, be this will be the last episode, at least for fantasy. This will probably be the last episode that we discuss fantasy for a while. Uh, Cardinals, probably not so much. I imagine they'll come up in one way or another as the news starts to come out. Um, so I'm sure we'll probably record fairly regularly through the end of the year. Because um, that's when, like, I think it's really... Uh, I want to say I think it's by the end of the playoffs, or maybe it's the end of November. I don't remember which one it is. That uh, players... Well, that players have to decide if they're going to opt out or if teams have to pick up options. So there will be like some roster moves that'll happen that are relevant um, that I'm sure we'll discuss. And then, you know, as we get into like the the Christmas and New Year's holiday, we probably won't record as much. Um, Maybe it scales back even before then, like maybe it's like Thanksgiving kind of around then that we stop recording as often. Um, and then it'll probably be, Hey, there's, you know, we have a decent, like, we think we have a couple things to talk about. So how about we record an episode this week until we get closer to spring training. So I will, I will leave it up to you. If you want to talk fancy or Cardinals first, cause I know neither topic you really care to discuss for long. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, I will, we'll let you go ahead and, uh, read your um read your poem or whatever you put on the <laughs> in the poem. blue and gold in the blue I didn't and gold league put a poem yeah. and then uh what are you talking and then about? after after spax gets done speaking if we could have a moment of silence and everyone stand up and give your <laughs> give a round of applause <laughs> that'd be great appreciate it a round of applause for the cardinal season or for my fantasy season no, we're talking about your fantasy season. We'll get to the uh, Cardinals in a minute. Dude. Oh, okay. We're probably okay. not going to round of applause much of anything with the Cardinals, honestly. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, because I thought you were going to, like, moment of silence and everyone stand. I thought it was going to be, like, morning, the end of their season. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. But then when you said round of applause, I was like, oh, maybe yeah. maybe he's taking a shot at me. Yeah. But no, mm-hmm. we, we did it. I mean, I feel like, you know, our avid listeners aren't surprised by the news that I took home the championship. <laughs> the last time we recorded, I had like a 100 point lead with like two days left in the season. So <clears throat> it was, and actually I think we recorded Tuesday last week as well. So really it was like one day left. If you would have got beat, you would have been the camera operator in the Devonta Adams clip. <laughs> yes. Yes. I would have. Yep. Instead you were Devonta Adams. I was. Get out um, my way. Yeah, I, I will say it wasn't without nerves. I think I posted that in my poem, as you called it. 
uh, and the Blue Gold League, that it would have taken like a, just a, uh, a beyond your normal start from Corbin Burns on the final day of the, of the regular season. Um, the Brewers pulled him after three innings. Um, through those three innings, he had thrown 40 pitches, was perfect through the three innings, and had struck out five batters. <laughs> so I was like, Burns is on, dude. Like, this could be real bad. Like, they have no reason to not just, like, let him ride. And then they pulled him after three innings. And I was like, oh, thank God. So, like, that that moment when they sent out, I think it was, like, Aaron Ashby, like, you know, as he replaced him on the mound for the fourth. I was just like, okay, there it is. Like, sigh of relief that there isn't some weird anomaly that could happen. And I guess not even anomaly, but just this super rare you know, less than 1% chance that it happened thing that could beat me. Um, so it felt pretty good. And it, and it started really early on that I felt better about it. Cause I think when, when Sal and I did the math, it was like a perfect game with no walks or, or sorry, with no strikeouts. Obviously there were no walks in a perfect game. Um, it came to like 89 or 90 points and I was up by like exactly that. Like I think I was up by like 89 going into the final day. So I was like, cool. It's so, like, even if he has, you know, Burns throw a perfect game and assume maybe he gets like 10 Ks, like that would be a really strong day on the, on the mound, 10 strikeouts. I was like, then it, it only means like my offense has to outscore his by nine points. And I think my offense had outscored him every day of the nine days that point. So I was like, okay. And uh, the like, it started with like four of his players sitting in that final day. So it's like, okay, I have a basically a full lineup going against uh, going against like a half lineup, and I just really need to outscore him by ten points to make it to where his pitcher is irrelevant. Like, probably can't score enough points to catch me. So I felt pretty good about it, obviously. Odds were, were in my favor quite a bit, but we got it done. Um, and I can, um, I'm happy to say, like, even if it were Travis in the finals, because I feel like he kind of got screwed in the semifinal matchup with Stout having 10 starts to his five. But even if I had yeah, faced good. Travis, I would have beat him as well, but it would have been way closer. Uh, yeah, it would have been super close. Yeah, less than a point <laughs> would have yeah. would have separated us at then, like point eight three. That would have been wild. Yeah, yeah. dude, congratulations! I know you want to hear that, so congrats. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Getting, I'm really proud of you. Getting my name back on the trophy third time, uh, second time in the last three championships because we took twenty twenty off, so yeah. I won in twenty nineteen. Now, I got to come in with an aggressive draft strategy next year. <clears throat> well, the really problem was like when and not really that I didn't have my first round pick because I had keepers throughout it. But like I felt like the spot in the draft order I was in, I was constantly like behind the eight ball in like drafting like, hey, here's a section of players coming up and I'd you'd be good with taking like any four of these and you're six picks away. Well, all four of those fucking like, what are the odds? All four of those guys are down, right. and now you're 
I'm either looking at like, do I start looking at the next tier of guys that I like that I'm also probably not going to see, or do I just take one of these guys that I'm not super sold on? And I feel like that's kind of where I was in baseball, and I'm not. I'll get better as draft goes on to deal with that for sure. But yeah, it's and it's it's obviously something that everyone deals with. I think part of that though does stem from you know where you were at going into the draft. Because what I think the pick I got from you ended up being like fifth overall. Yeah. And so you imagine if you had a fifth overall pick, you you pretty much had your run of the mill of like who you wanted. What I think it would have been like Jose Ramirez, um, Trey Turner, Trey Turner, like I like obviously two other guys that went off the board. Um, I thought I think maybe Degrom went that early. Um. Or maybe it was Scherzer that was taken like before I got a chance to pick because I know that's why I went Cole because um, I, yeah I think it was Scherzer that went before then. <clears throat> but you figure you you had a pretty like you would have had pretty open flexibility on who you picked in that number five spot, and then from there it then shifts all of your other picks based on that, and so then yeah. you start to be kind of ahead of where that curve is versus you know, where you're behind, where you're like, okay, I feel like I need to steal a guy. You're like, okay, I feel like I'm on par so I can afford to take guys a little early. But when you didn't have a first round pick or, you know, you were missing a couple picks early, you're just like, oh man, like I've, I don't want to take these flyers because if they don't hit, you know, if I end up with, you know, I, I gave up to my top six picks and then two of my guys that I took of the four picks I had were busts. Like you basically go through the entire season with no tier one picks really producing for you. True. Um, and you're just like, damn, like now how, how do you win like that? You know? So it's, it's very hard to take flyers on guys when you, uh, when you're down picks to begin with. Yeah. And as we get more active members, because trades were hard this year too so i mean trades are gonna be hard every year but like even like just trying to actually like negotiate the trade just wasn't even happening this year yeah um in most instances because the people that were staying were kind of the people that were you know in the playoffs players (laughs) yeah 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 so yeah um just kind of the way that works out um but yeah, no, it's uh, fun. What I took away from this year was that because the first year, I think I made the least amount of waiver wire pickups. I mean, I played the same lineup almost all year. I like barely had to touch my lineup year one. Right. This year, though, was way different. Um, so, I mean, and I made some good pickups. So I'm going to turn a lot of those pickups into keepers. Um, so I was, you know, I know I can be aggressive in that market. Uh, I can't keep up with, you know, the drop uh, all-star players and then one minute later pick them up but well you know i can find them i don't know i don't know the exact rules of what will be in place but the general consensus of what i have heard from talking to people is that they're like most people will be for a waiver wire so i just have to kind of work out the semantics which is something that i'll probably start to work on after you know actual baseball's done yeah um so I, I think that that'll help correct that. I don't I don't want to call it an issue because there I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, it's never. Um, yeah, I mean it it hasn't been a problem and it hasn't been a problem to this extent 
for the 11 years we've existed prior. Um, but I think it's just the changing of the time. Like, I think people's lives are just in different places now. Um, a lot of us have more mature jobs than what we did. Um, yeah, there's different people that are in the league now that have different jobs. Um, I know a lot of the guys that we had before, like they either were, you know, working in like the food industry. So they were working nights, um, you know, or like might be like, might've been like in more of like the construction warehouse type roles. So, you know, they had some downtime during the day, um, or like a lot, like there weren't a lot of guys that were overly aggressive, so you didn't have to be all over it, you know, like, um, but I, I, while yes, I think it was an issue for players being dropped and then guys would be picked up right away. Um, the same thing kind of goes for, uh, just players when they're getting called up, you know, like, oh, there's this article that gets published and then like you see it maybe two hours later and you go look and someone's already picked that guy up. And it's like, yeah. man, like someone picked him up and there's probably three other people that also looked to see if he was available because right. I have this guy on my bench that I don't ever play. So I might as well take a flyer on this young kid that's supposed to be a pretty high prospect. You know, or like, oh, I can I have three starters on my bench and this young kid, you know, could be a starter. So I'm just going to stash him because I don't need him to start for me. And maybe he ends up being a stud, you know. Um, so I think in those aspects, it will it will end up allowing for a little more parity um, in the league. Um, however, I, I also think that this year there were like if you look at like really like the bottom four teams, I guess, from like a standings aspect, there were, you know, like it, it wasn't a there there's really like three teams that record wise were separated by a decent amount of games and it was one team that got relatively unlucky especially early on with matchups that being your team and you finished 14th at 9 and 16 the next team in front of you you were you were one game back from the next team in front of you and then it's like Every every game, like there was one team at ten and fifteen, one team at eleven and fourteen, one team at twelve and thirteen. Um, so it it's like you were you were right there, kind of in the mix. And the yeah. two teams that were below you was Steve's team, which he never probably never even looked at his lineup once all year, and managed to go seven and eighteen somehow. Um, and then Pope, who was the one that dropped you know, some of the questionable decisions and he finished five and 20, um, at the very bottom rung. And, and that includes like your, your three postseason matchups. Um, so I, I, I guess technically you finished like seven and 15. Um, and I think Pope finished like five and 17 for yeah. the regular season or whatever, but still like, <clears throat> The the top record was what I think Travis finished at 16 wins in the regular season. I think he went like 16 and six. Oh, uh, you're the one that did, you're the one that did the recap. Yeah. If, well, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do recap for regular season. Um, so I think he went like 16 and six. But uh, so from so from like 
first place into like the the last team that was actively trying in my opinion like the worst record for a team that you know actually paid attention all year it was only like nine games and with it being a 22 week regular season like nine games isn't a whole hell of a lot in my opinion um it it is if you look at it like oh well you had to win nine more games and they had like they had the loot, you know, or whatever, like to have the same amount of wins. But if, if they had, you know, if they picked up four losses and you pick up four wins, then, you know, that now it's a one game difference. You know what I mean? So like, I don't think nine, nine games back is that astronomical when you're talking about first to essentially 14th uh, for the year. <clears throat> so I, I also think that with Pope, and Steve being two guys that likely aren't going like that aren't coming back. Um, and then uh, Coates who also had, you know, some drama around dropping players. If those don't happen, I feel like Nick Audrain probably doesn't have the team that he does. And in turn, he probably isn't buying at the trade deadline. So there, there's probably one less buyer, which means that there's more options for someone else to slide in, and also one more seller um, if he feels like he's selling off. Plus, if you had, you know, Coates and Pope and Steve who are all leaving or weren't even active, if they were selling, you know, you have three additional teams with players that can sell. Um, and then Dan who didn't think he was coming back, who I convinced to just team up with a buddy of his and is coming back, but he didn't want to make moves and then not come back. So there were four teams and only eight teams didn't make the playoffs. And four of those teams weren't trying to make deals. So it was like eight teams in the playoffs plus, you know, figure ninth and 10th at the time trying to better their team to get into the playoffs. So you only had like 12 teams that you could consider and 10 of them were likely active buyers versus sellers. So you, you had like these two other teams that were in limbo. And as soon as they got picked through, you were like, okay, like there's really not, not much else that, (laughs) that can be done at this point. Right. Yeah. So you just ended up being like in this really weird limbo state. A um, couple teams that bought and then didn't really do much with it. Like like my brother, like his trades didn't necessarily work out. Like he ended up still making the playoffs, but first round exit, lost the last couple weeks. Um, ended up winning the Rumble though, so I guess it makes it all worth it. I feel like as long as you're winning money, you know, it's a successful season. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think it'll be, you know, when you when you add in the waiver wire aspect so you don't have to be so on the ball all the time and we round out the league with potentially you know i i I know we're we're trying to get you know trying to wear david down to get him to sign (laughs) up um we we only have the three teams to fill uh it seems like little hide may be interested i haven't talked to him i'm just going off of what mickey has told me um, but really like 
if we get just one, then it puts us back to like an even state that I could just run with 14 teams. It's less ideal, but I could make it work. Um, I might just extend um, a week, you know, rather than, or I don't, I guess that wouldn't solve my problem. Because if we have 22 weeks still, if you play everyone in your division once, that's only six weeks. Or if you play everyone in your division twice, that's 12 weeks. And then you end up playing 10 games against the other division. So it'd be like figuring out how you decide who those three extra games are against. Um, so the alternative would be... Rival which, weeks. Right. So Or it would be like, okay, like how about we you know, extend out some weeks. Like if we make each of the playoff rounds two weeks long, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but then you would have to like set your lineup for two weeks and that would be rather unfortunate. So, um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't think there'd be a way around it. It would just be kind of luck of the draw probably, or it'd be based off of like draft order. Um, that's why ideally I would just like to get back to 16 players. Um, and there's always the possibility that I just run like AI teams. And if there's an AI team in each division, you know, so everyone plays the same amount of games against AI teams. Um, I can make it happen. That's one of the other things that I'm trying to work out, but yeah, that would suck. Yeah, I, I just really like 16. I think it's even, it, it's not necessary, but I think it just, it makes it for a much more like a much fairer schedule. Um, and if I have to move it back to 14, then I will probably find out a way that like tiebreakers will be what they are, but strength of schedule will likely play a point in that. So like if you and I say we're, I will be in different leagues, but as an example, as I say, we're in the same division. Um, if your three games are against the teams that finish at the bottom of the other division and my three teams are at the top of the other division and you and I finish tied, then I would say that I am in front of you regardless of what our points for are or anything like that. Like strength of schedule would likely be what I would weight the most um, in terms of a tiebreaker on who sits where in a division. Um, so it'd probably be more manual work for me because I don't think there's a way to wage that in CBS directly. Um, but I, I need, I want it to be of some benefit when you get screwed over playing a tougher opponent multiple times, you know, but I'm hoping if we get, you know, if we end up with 14 and we have 14 owners that are all paying attention, you likely won't really have that aspect it, or it may not be as relevant. Um, Cause like, think about it here. Like if you got to play Steve twice and I again, Pope twice being in the other division, but someone else in your division, like, you know, my brother or whatever had to play me and Travis twice. Like, that's not necessarily same, same. You know what I mean? But. Hey, man. Sometimes <clears throat> it's just about the division you're in, you know? Right. <clears throat> and and that's what I'm saying. Like, it. so I'm not saying I won't do it at all. But I, I would like to find a way to try to compensate for the fact that it happens. <clears throat> that's all. Um, but no, Rumble was, uh, a good performance. I think it was enjoyable. I know it wasn't the outcome you were hoping for. Your team didn't exactly show up in the final week, um, week plus. Yeah, I know the they were on, they were on fire. And then just, you know, when it counted yet again, <laughs> yeah. Just... yeah, 
Um, but it was it was good. It was like five teams competing. I mean, with it being ten days, like up until like going into the final day, there was like five teams competing for the money out of the fourteen teams in it. And if you remove the teams that clearly weren't setting their lineup and didn't give a shit, it was really like at that point, I think like obviously Stephen Pope weren't Coates really wasn't. I don't think Dan was really setting his lineup. So if you look at it, it was like there were nine teams competing in the rumble really. Um, and five of them were still real relatively close. And even I think ended up when I did my little recap about where things wrapped up, it was, uh, like 25 points separating uh, first from our second from fifth. Uh, so I think Kurt having the final start with uh, from Valdez on the final day of the regular season, like ended up being the difference. I think he was the only one that had a starter go on the final day of the regular season. Um, couple big home runs from some guys. But they're a good team. Yeah, yeah, a a lot. There's a lot of good teams out there. Like that's, I was very happy with uh with the win. I think, um, in terms of power rankings through all 25 weeks, um, I think I finished two points behind Travis. Um, in the power rankings. So we finished with the same record. Uh, we both finished 18 and seven. Um, and then he outscored me by 3.33 points. <laughs> and his breakdown record, um, I think mine, let's see if I can find this real quick. Um, so my total breakdown was uh, 252, 122, and 1. And Travis's was 257 and 118. So, what was that? What did I say mine was? 252 and 122. So it was like four and a half games better. And essentially the breakdown record, what it is, is like if you played someone or if, if you played the other 15 teams every week, what would your record against them have been? So it's like, it would have been like 25 matchups against every team. Um, and I, I think it's, uh, I think it's funny that the only, um, like there, there's only like a handful of ties. So like even if you matched up everybody playing everybody every week, uh, there was only like six teams that ended with one tie. And it was like you and Dan tied one week, um, me and Timmy tied one week, and I think it was like Nick Stow and Steve tied one week. And I think that that's just really interesting that with all of those matchups, like you know, the potential to tie 15 teams every week for everyone. It only happened three times <laughs> like that. Two teams at all finished with identical scores. Yeah. I think it's pretty rare. I rarely see, I feel like I rarely see that in fantasy. I, I have, I have had two ties 
actually in the regular season against the person that I was playing, but one of them I ended up taking an L because of a scoring change. <laughs> <laughs> but so we ha we have one tie in our 12 years as a team that's like an official tie where we were playing head to head, and uh, that was me and Nick Audrain. So we are the all time tie leaders in mm. the Blue and Gold League. Nice. I think last year I think I had a tie with Timmy. Maybe, or it, it was either Timmy or it might have been Stow. I don't remember who it was, but it was somebody that I, I then ended up taking the L for it. Um, yeah, good times. And well, I think your power ranking, like, like I said, you were above the three teams that like really weren't giving a shit. Like you were right there at... I think yeah, 48. God, dude, that's not really like a, you know, something to celebrate by any means. No, but, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, even though your record was worse than those guys, your power ranking was above them. So it just shows that like your record was unlucky. Yeah. In that regard. Gotcha. That's all. Gotcha. You know, like you outscored a, ha a gang of teams you just mm -hmm. weren't beating people. Like you just weren't getting W's, but you were putting yeah. up points. So that's all. That that definitely is a good reflection of the year. <laughs> right. Is so. what it is though, you know, that's the For sure. That's the way it falls sometimes. But yeah. Three Nobody three championships. Wants a Charlie in the box. I think that's uh <clears throat> I think it's just me and Nick Aldrain that have three. I'm gonna look at the trophy real quick. For names. I'm gonna go look at the trophy real quick. Yeah, because Jake has. Talk about this for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, because Jake <laughs> Jake has two. And yeah, so now me and Nick Aldrain each have three apiece. So getting there. 25% of all championships belong to me. I was glad that it wasn't you were Mickey that got one before me since you guys joined. Mm -hmm. I was glad I got one before either of you guys got one. Sandwich Rav. <laughs> like, I just, I feel like I wouldn't hear the end of it if, like, well, I have more than you since I joined the league. So obviously you couldn't get trof you know, trophies before then. So I was glad I got one with you guys in the league. Yeah. So that's all. Bam. I mean, me less, Mickey more, Trav, yes. probably on the same boat as me. Really, just for as sure. long as it wasn't Mickey. For sure. I, I, <clears throat> the the difference to me would be I would have to deal with Mickey trolling me, and bringing it up seemingly in the most random times that make no sense, just because he can. Yeah. With you Merry and Trav, it would be. Fantasy. Do what. Like Merry Christmas, remember fantasy? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, like, uh, hey, you know, it's it's Sunday. I won the championship on a Sunday. <laughs> like what? Mm -hmm. What? Um, with you and Trav, I feel like it would be more along the lines of like clever, whimsical, like baiting me in to answering a question and then hitting me with it. Where it's like, so it'd just be like more playful banter where Mickey would just be trolling. So yeah. you guys both have your setbacks. Yeah. We'd have been a little with. more creative about it. Right. 
Well, does that <laughs> like, wrap up the fantasy here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just like, so everyone gets Mickey's humor. He'd like, you know, the difference between a fancy trophy and a, and a guy's wiener is. <laughs> like what like specs didn't get a fancy trophy this year <laughs> it'd be something like that that would be what Mickey would say <laughs> am I wrong uh, no that would be right. completely 100% like if I said that to you like who, who are you mean for Halloween Jeff Mickey <laughs> so <laughs> uh, but anyway but yeah that uh, that concludes our uh, our final Final Fantasy recap for a while at least. Um, maybe if we come up with some cool rules changes, maybe we'll discuss it on here. But you know, we can save that for when we when we kick back up after the break. It's yeah. only fitting I'm celebrating a championship on my uh, on the hundredth episode. Hopefully it's not oh, another it's one. Hopefully it's not another one hundred episodes before I celebrate another championship. <laughs> it just be a couple of years, you know. Right, I want to win next year. I haven't got I haven't gotten the back to back trophies. It's been done though. It's not by me. And I'm not I'm not for it. That's not the life I'm about. Um but yeah, I'll hold for applause. That's what my notes say. Mm-hmm. So hold for mm-hmm. applause. Everyone golf clap them. <laughs> All right. So now so on to uh, can you hear it? Now on to some bad news. You know, it's uh... a... <clears throat> is it bad news or was it like not surprising? You know? So... After it I happened, think... I felt like we were going to win. Don't get me wrong, but... Uh... After it happened, I'm like, it's kind of like... It feels like the way the Cardinals would go out, you know? Yeah, just... I, I will say, I, I feel like you put on a brave face. Um... I, I feel like that you on both on this podcast and subjectively discussing baseball throughout the year, you were always very critical of how good this Cardinals team actually was. Um, I feel like you spoke from a place of honesty quite often, um, even as we would go through exercises and we would talk about it quite a bit because who the Cardinals were going to play in the first round. Um, in the wild card was up in the air up until like the second to last day of the regular season. Um, so we would discuss things back and forth or whatnot. So it really wasn't until after they locked up with the Phillies that I felt like you had this air about you that like Cardinals are going to win this hands down. Yeah, you this be really won't too. compete. <clears throat> and I will say for At home series, you know, <laughs> right. I, I didn't disagree with you. I felt like if I were betting on who I expected to win, I would have anticipated, like I would have bet money on the Cardinals if I had to bet money on the series. I felt like it was going to be a very tough series to win for either side. Um, and like the comment I made earlier, the Cardinals were very competitive for 17 of the 18 innings that got played in the series. Yeah. Like they 100%. were in, they were in both games and really, like, you could just argue that it was really just half an, half an inning, really, that they didn't compete. Because even after giving up the six runs in the top of the ninth, I mean, they tacked on another run and they had the tying run at the plate in the bottom of the ninth. Like, if you're if you're sending the tying run to the plate, I, I think that that's a competitive inning. You know, like, yeah. you, you put three guys on base in an inning, like, that's 
That's dumb. If they could have done that throughout the game, you know, it, that, that's completely different. Run. Yeah, like they would have scored some runs. Um, I think for me, there were some surprising aspects on almost in almost every facet of how you would break down a baseball game. Um, like if you look at it from, you know, offense, defense, starting pitching, relief pitching, and managerial decisions, I think that there were really great things that showed in all of those. And then also the complete opposite of that <laughs> in all of those. And that's why I think that like that performance, those two games against the Phillies were probably the perfect snapshot to what I think this Cardinals team was. That it was going to have very high ups and very low downs. And it was just going to be if they could put it together over the course of 15 games in the postseason on whether or not they were a threat to contend and they didn't, they didn't put it together for even one. And that's why they didn't get a W in the postseason. Um, but I think you can take your pick on what you want to blame it on. So it's very hard to blame it on one thing, Yeah. but there are plenty of things you, you can blame it on. I, if that makes sense. Yeah. Moments in time that if worked out differently, altered it like so. Which one of those are you going to blame? Yeah. Right, and and that's why I think it is a culmination of all of them. Um, and I think first and foremost, that starts with the roster makeup. Like, I don't think this was a championship contender. I don't think this was a team that, at least me personally... I expected to do much more than what they did um, prior to the season starting, like before it came out that they were, you know, doing the 12 team, you know, expanded playoff field and how the wild card round was going to work and all that good stuff. Like before that knowledge was there, um, when we kind of knew what this Cardinals team looked like going into the regular season. Um, and this is even before, like, they called up Gorman and before, you know, like, they traded away Sosa and before DeYoung had all of his issues and injuries and whatnot. So I'm saying, like, opening day, my anticipation would have been the Cardinals win the Central. They win around 90 games. They play whoever wins the East and the and the first round of the playoffs in the division series and they lose to that team. Like maybe not get swept. Maybe it goes four or five games, but that, that would have been my prediction for this Cardinals team on opening day. And I feel like this is kind of the equivalent to that. Um, maybe it's closer. Like if they lost in three, you know, like if they took it to a game three, maybe it feels a little bit more like just, you know, getting eliminated yeah. in the LDS, but. After the way they lost game one, though, there was never a. There was never a take it to game three moment. For sure. But I mean, even even then, like 
in the like they had multiple times late that they had the tying run up or even in the case of the bottom of the night they had the go ahead run yeah. up like the winning run not go ahead run but they they had the winning run at the plate so it's just that one big hit that one postseason magic moment that turns the game on its head and it just never happened from the Cardinals standpoint. You, well, and I shouldn't say it never happened. It just happened too early, you know, with the Yepes home run in game one. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they won 93 games. So again, right around that, that 90, when Mark, like <clears throat> I would have put it at 90, I probably thought 95 would have been too much. So making the argument yeah. that it could have been, you know, if you said like, okay, 90 to 95 wins, they fell right into that. They won the central without too much of an issue. And they did lose two teams that played in the NL East. Yeah. <laughs> but... I mean, that sucks. Why are you All watching right. the game? No, no, uh, no. I was just going to like the, like to your point, like the, they just don't, the other problem I have with them is they just don't score runs like in the playoffs. So this year we lost, you know, uh, two to our we lost the series two to nothing. We lost the wild card game last year. You know that was a close one to nothing game. Mm-hmm. You can say like, oh, Max Scherzer's on the mound. You had opportunities in that game. I think you had you know a guy on second a couple times or something. You know you had base runners against Scherzer. You just couldn't bring right. those in. Did I, I mean, never. He, you never had to up hit. another notch, you know, you never, yeah, you, he was never going to allow you that. Um, and continuously, it's just like the, I mean, and we blamed, you know, Jeff Albert forever. Is it Mike Schill? Like, oh my God, what's going on with it? But it just disappears. And this year, I think we were blinded by that. Like, cause that at the, they, they did play bad offense from time to time. Um, but man, did they really pour it on some teams this year? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, bad teams or not, but they just looked good at the plate. Their guys they were calling up were looking good at the plate at times. You know, you, you know, young kids going on cold streaks here and there. Um, but for the most part, like, hey, okay, we can hit. Man, the playoffs hit, though. There it is again. We just can't find a will and a way. And I don't know if it's the game plan. Like, are we not, did we not watch enough tape? Did we not guess how they were going to pitch to us? Um, were we not making adjustments in game? Like, I just don't. I have yet another hard time to be in like, what is the problem? And whose fault is it? Because Ali and Schilt get the same results all year long. I guess we don't need a coach. We don't need a manager. We'll be fine in the regular season. Um, is it the hitting coach? Because we hit pretty good this year. I mean, we had guys MVP years that we've argued that maybe they don't need a hitting coach. They don't, you know, they have their own guys, but it's still MVP years. They made other guys around them good, you know. So I'm just still confused. I wish there was like a, the here it is right here. All you got to do is fire this guy and hire a new guy. And here it is. But maybe it's the organization, you know, maybe I just have to continue to blame Mo because the people Mo hire just aren't getting the job done. Maybe. So So new guy, we'd have a new organization Spags. Yeah. So ran over. No, you're, you're good. So I, I think that it is there. There's a couple aspects there when it comes to offense um, that are relevant in my book. 
Um, so like you said, there, there were times that they just ported on some teams and then there were times that they disappeared at the plate. I would imagine, I, I don't know this for sure, but if I had to guess, I would assume that the number of times the Cardinals were shut out is pretty close to the number of times that they scored double digit runs in a game. You know, it's like if they were shut out nine times all year, I would imagine it was like seven or eight times that they scored double-digit runs. Yeah, they were a top-five team. They tied with the Mets and run scored at 772 on the year. Yeah, and their their run differential was fine, so it's not like they were giving up a bunch of runs either. Like, I think they're uh, you know, probably a top-five or six team in run differential. Um, there are some teams that just, like, it's astronomical. Like, the Dodgers is just insane. Yeah. Um, I think there's only two teams in the AL that finished above a hundred. Um, and then, so I, uh, so looking at it right now, they were, they were fourth in the NL and the other three teams that beat them were the Dodgers, Braves and Mets who all had, you know, 101 wins on the year or a hundred or more wins like Braves and Mets both finished with 101 and the Dodgers at 111. So really good offenses, you know, so it was there, but for me, I think it can be summed up that when the Cardinals were productive at scoring runs, they ran like they were stealing bases. Attempting to steal bases. Oh, this conversation again. <laughs> they were making things happen on the base path. And the two games against the Phillies, the Cardinals didn't attempt to steal at all. And it's not to say that, like, Real Muto is a bad pit, uh, bad catcher and they should run on him. And I think part of that is they didn't really have opportunity to do so. So, like, I kind of went through both games because the point was brought up to me by my brother. And so, um, like, real quick, I'll, I'll roll through the bullet points of, like, where it was at. So, in the first game, game one, um, New Bar let off the game with a single. In that situation, I get not running super early. You have Pujols, Goldie, and Arenado. They haven't shit the bed yet. So, you're not going to run with New Bar. You're going to let see what happens. Um, they didn't have another base runner until Goldschmidt got on in the fourth. Uh, he was hit by a pitch with one out. Still was a tie game. He's not exactly a base dealer. So it's like, okay, not a great base dealer, plus a good catcher behind the plate. Uh, equals not running. Um, Edmund singled and Newbar walked to lead off the sixth. Um, I think the argument could be made that Edmund probably could have been running and the Newt Bar at bat. Um, it was still a tie game at that point. Once Newt Bar walked, though, Pujols hit into the double play on, like, the second pitch of the at bat. So the run opportunity was immediately eliminated. Um, Carlson walked to lead off the seventh. And then Yepes hit the home run on his first pitch. So Carlson had no opportunity to run. <laughs> like, it, it was just a home run. Okay. Um, and then in the ninth, Arenado singled. Again, not exactly a base dealer, and you're down by four. Uh, Carlson walked, has Arenado in front of him. Uh, Gorman singled. Carlson stopped at second, and you're likely not trying to steal third when down three and the tying runs at the plate. 
So through all of game one, they had maybe one opportunity to run. Game two, basically the same thing. There's like one scenario where you could make an argument that Edmund probably could have run in this situation. But outside of that, really nothing. So it's like, all right, they didn't run, but not really relevant. It's like there's, there's only one aspect to me that I think you can blame whatever's going on here. And I haven't done the research. I don't have the details on it or whatever. I haven't heard anyone talking about it. But no. there was absolutely nothing that came from the heart of your lineup. Like yep. two, three, four, and five. Now, granted, your two, three, four, and five weren't very scary. Like you had, an, you know, Albert Pujols, who, yes, had a fantastic year. But it started with we're going to have him face lefties. He got hot batting off lefties, and Nola and Wheeler are both right-handed. So you put Pujols batting in the two-hole against two of the, you know, two really good right-handed pitchers doesn't spell success. When Brendan Donovan is your five-hole hitter, that doesn't strike down fear. So you had Pujols probably not getting on base in front of Goldschmidt and Arenado, and Donovan really not offering a whole lot of protection behind them. So it's going to be a situation where are they going to pitch to me or are they not? And Wheeler and Enola were both relatively aggressive. Like the Cardinals only drew, I think like five walks in the entirety of the, of the two games. And it was all of your guys that like that have good batting eyes, really like Newt Bar walked twice. Carlson walked twice. Edmund walked once. Um, so I think to me, the difference was teams made adjustments against like, especially Goldschmidt because he looked lost at the plate and in seven ABs, he struck out four times, which is absolutely insane for Goldschmidt. Arenado, like he's had stretches where he disappeared at the plate. Goldschmidt didn't really have that this year. And that's why he's probably going to win an MVP. Towards the end of the year, he definitely wasn't the same like towards like the last couple <laughs> weeks. Wasn't like as maybe that bad, not striking out as bad. Um, but right, but like going o four, you know, o for seven with four strikeouts across the two games in the three hole, not gonna get it done. Um, you know, you had, um, yeah, I think like the the three, four, five hitters across those games. So it was Goldschmidt, Arenado, Donovan, Goldschmidt, 0 for 7 with four strikeouts, Arenado, 1 for 8 with two strikeouts, Brennan Donovan, 0 for 7 with two strikeouts. So in your two-game series, you got one hit from the heart of your lineup, um, no walks, and, and the one hit you got was a single from Arenado and the bottom of the ninth in a game that you were down by four. <clears throat> I, I get he came around to score, you know, made it a three-run game. Yay, hooray. Um, but you got nothing from the heart of your lineup. And we've said all year, at least I know I've made a point, that this team goes as Goldschmidt and Arenado went. If those two aren't producing, the Cardinals aren't going to win. Um, so to drive that point home, that that was basically the Cardinals MO all season. So April, they didn't play all that great. 
Like, they weren't terrible, but they were, like, a 500 team or whatever um, early on. Like, they weren't – wasn't overly impressive. Here, I'm going to see if I can't see what their record was <clears throat> uh, coming at the end of April. Take, my computer's taking forever to load. So all that soon, I'm going to go into the notes. Because um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I – Looked at a couple guys. Um, so. But so obviously, like we know, Arenado and Goldschmidt were strong all year. That's why they were MVP candidates. So in the month of April, Cardinals were 11 and 9, and they were three games behind Milwaukee in the Central. Clearly wasn't going to get it done. Not. They weren't, weren't looking great. Weren't even like. At this point in time, they weren't even a playoff team. Like, they were one game back in the wild card for the final wild card spot at the end of April. And that was with, I think, <clears throat> I think Arenado had, like, an insane April. Um, so then in May, so, so consider that you have Arenado and Goldschmidt doing what they did pretty much all year. Um, in May, it was those guys alongside... Dylan Carlson and so looking at Carlson's numbers by month so he hit 184 in April um, he hit 288 in June 231 in July 217 in August 189 in September slash October and May he hit 314 you know slugging percentage was good so it was like May and June were his best months but May was his best month then in June it was Tyler O'Neill's turn and I think his numbers are even more pressing um, he went come on go down um, so hit 188 in April 204 in May 194 in July, 215 in August, 231 in September and October. He hit 354 in June. So another guy getting on or protecting Goldschmidt and Arenado while the Cardinals continue to win. And then in July, that's when they recalled Newt Barr and he went on his tear for, you know, I, I think it lasted a little bit longer than the other two really um i think it, his is more like july and august um but he hit 317 in july he hit 125 in april less than 100 in may and 167 in june in 17 games um or sorry 27 games through those first three months and then in 18 games, he hit um, 317. On base, it was like 420. Slug, 610. You know, he had like 10 RBIs where he had had seven RBIs up to the season to that point. Um, August, Pujols goes crazy, does what he does. And then in September, Cardinals kind of came back down to earth, didn't play that great of baseball, slightly above 500 for the month of September because they didn't have anyone firing on all cylinders alongside Goldschmidt and Arenado. So if they have no protection for these two, 
they were able to do whatever, but they couldn't. They're not going to win a whole bunch of games on their own. So that was like for me, like that they had this one guy that had like an MVP type month to go along with what Goldschmidt and Arenado were doing. And we knew that Goldschmidt and Arenado were going to be what they were. But if they come back down to, you know, some sort of realistic aspect where they're, you know, maybe they're in the MVP conversation, but not just heads above everybody else. Like I think Goldschmidt should be for MVP voting. The, this team isn't very good. You know what I mean? Yep. We need to add Trey Turner here this offseason. Um, uh, Wilson Contreras. Yeah. And a pitcher. And we're solid. Yeah. I, and I, I get that it seems like a large ask, but I, I feel like it really isn't. Like, I think the biggest holdup that the Cardinals have with that is that they don't have roster space. Like, that they have to move talent. Like they they have to part ways with some of these guys. Um, I mean, I know I know we've talked about it before. Well, Yepes and Donovan are like, are not Yepes and Donovan. Yepes and uh, uh, him and another guy. I mean, you could pretty much you know trade one of those. Oh, who is the nomination? Why can't I keep wanting to say Donovan? But Donovan really plays everywhere, and that's not really what Yepes's thing is. So. Uh, and cloudy brain you can keep going I'll, i'm looking it up um yeah not a problem um yeah so <clears throat> go ahead oh no i was like main thing is though i mean i think you could I, you need to be comfortable moving guys <laughs> you know like i continue to move guys especially if you're going to make your roster better in other spots you know right immensely better in other spots large <clears throat> upgrades in other spots yeah and it's it's tough conversations that either a they have to be willing to trade guys or B, they just have to straight up cut guys. Like you're so so like you just said, if you add Turner and Contreras and a starting pitcher, the Cardinals are in better shape. But in order to do that, it is three guys that you essentially have to remove off of your team because you're and then on top of that, you were also blocking other guys that are in the minor leagues that now it just makes more sense that you could trade these pieces. And I'm not saying that, like, Juan Soto was the answer to this, but Dylan Carlson isn't. And the fact that you had an opportunity to land an impact player where, like, Soto can be that other third guy to complement Goldschmidt and Arenado for years and years to come, and you didn't do that because Dylan Carlson is baffling to me, especially the situation that you find yourself in right now. So unless they're like, well, we weren't going to pay Soto and we're going to go out and we're going to make a splash in free agency for some other positions, mainly shortstop and catcher, then makes sense. Great job not trading Soto because signing Turner and Contreras and having Carlson is better than trading for Soto and having DeYoung and Kisner behind the plate every day. Like I, I would totally agree with that. But... You know, so so under contract right now, and we've talked about this before, but under contract from the team currently, you have Michaelis, Hudson, Flaherty, Montgomery, and Mats. So you're already running with five starters that all of them other than Montgomery have, or I guess really rather than Hudson, have multi-million dollar deals 
Hudson, Flaherty, and Montgomery are all arbitration eligible still. So they're all probably getting raises. Maybe not significant because Flaherty was hurt most of the year. Hudson didn't have the greatest number, so maybe it's not a huge ra- a huge raise. But they're probably going to make a little bit more money because that's just typically how things go when you have a little, like that extra year of service time or whatever. So under contract in the bullpen, you have Helsley, Gallegos, Verhagen, Hicks, Reyes, Stratton, and Genesis Cabrera. That's seven relievers. Typically, you're going to carry 13 arms. So you have one open spot for a guy that isn't on, like, that isn't, that hasn't already seen significant time at the major league level. And you still have, um, like, minor league arms like Palante, Libertor, Woodford, Thompson, that all saw usage out of the bullpen. So the odds are of filling that one spot internally, pretty significant. And I don't know what other relief pitchers they have in Memphis and what they did that maybe didn't get called up. And relievers can kind of be a dime a dozen when it's the last guy in your bullpen. So if you don't want to convert one of your starters to relief pitcher and you want them to actually start in Memphis for you, you can fill that void pretty easily. On the position player aspect, you have Kisner, Goldschmidt, Edmund, DeYoung, O'Neill, Carlson, Newtbar, Donovan, Yepes, Gorman, and that's just as far as guys that saw significant playing time every day. If you bring Arenado back, like if he doesn't opt out, that leaves two roster spots for position players, one of which still needs to be a catcher. So that's where like Contreras could come in. But if they roll with like, hey, we're going to go with Kisner and Herrera, we think that these guys are, one of these two are going to be the catcher of the future. This is going to be the year that they compete for it. And someone's going to win out and be the next everyday starter for the St. Louis Cardinals. So they say they're going to be the duo. They're going to split time. It's going to be 81 starts apiece, whatever. It leaves you with one roster spot at the major league level. Um, and like there's still plenty of options of guys that that could be. Like, is Jordan Walker going to be ready to come up? Is Mason Wynn going to be ready to come up? Um, you know, is it Alec Burleson that gets an opportunity? You know, you like they... So it's like the, the Cardinals front office has the easiest setup in the world to be like, hey we're uh we're good like we're we have our 26 this is how we're gonna roll and all of that is also assuming that wayno retires or doesn't come back to the cardinals in one facet or the other so if he comes back now you don't even have that extra arm spot you have 13 pitchers that are under contract that all saw significant time and varying levels of success at the major level and you have 12 of your 13 position players so you, you, if you're going to bring in other guys, you either got to make room on the 40-man roster and then also on the active roster. So it's just like, this is the, the layup of layups for DeWitt to just be like, nah, we got our guys. This is what we're going to do. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. That's totally what I expect uh, to happen. Like, yeah, but if you... Don't expect anyone to get signed, for sure. Yeah, like, oh, but hey, if, look how good we were. Look how good we were, you know? Yeah, it... But if this team going into opening day, well, let's just say like hypothetically, you have Contreras behind the plate, Goldschmidt at first, um, Edmund at second, um, Turner at short, Arenado at third, O'Neill in left, Carlson in right, 
some are Carlson and center, and then some combination, Yepes, Donovan, you know, a, a handful of guys that can play the corner outfield that have done it well enough. Um, if Gorman can take some fly balls or if Gorman's going to DH, you know, whatever, you can mix guys around. Gorman can move to second. Edmund can play right field and you can spell day off for a guy. Like if, if that were your everyday lineup, um, you know, say you have Edmund leading off or Carlson leading off, Turner bat second, Goldschmidt third, Arenado fourth, Contreras fifth, O'Neill sixth. You know, then you get into your, you know, Yepes, Donovan type spots. Like, you know, throw Gorman in the mix there. Like maybe if Gorman's the H and you get him between Contreras and O'Neill, so you break up, you know, righty, lefty, righty. Like that can be a very dangerous lineup and a very good defensive team. And you're protecting the superstars that you have. Like if that's their opening day lineup, I think guarantee bet Cardinals win the central. I think it's probably guaranteed that they finish in one of the top two division spots. Cause I think they're probably pretty close to a 100 win team and you're, you're good to go. This is assuming that Flaherty gets back to form and that you stay healthy. Obviously you're kind of on a knife's edge there and your pitching staff that if you're, you know, if guy, you don't have a ton of depth there for, to be able to deal with a bunch of injuries. If they can add a star, like a top tier starting pitcher, um, I don't really know good options off the top of my head. I haven't really looked to see like who I think they should bring in. Um, but if you get like that top tier, you know, number one, number two type guy that can really be the ace of your team, um, like, and then you're you're looking at like. Michaelis being your number two, Jack being your number three, and maybe, you know, Monty or, and Hudson or, you know, Monty and Matt's rounding out your rotation. Like, I, I think that that is extremely serviceable. I think it could be very good. Um, you just need that top tier starter. And I, like, if that happens, like you said, a short stop, you know, a short stop, but let's be honest, Trey Turner is going to be the best ones out there. A catcher. Let's be honest, Contreras is probably the best option available. And a starting pitcher. If you add those, then I I think the Cardinals legitimately become contenders for the World Series. And they will be for, you know, the rest of Goldschmidt and Arenado's contracts. Uh, yep, maybe they're spending a little bit more than what they have right now. And you're giving up some youth or whatever. But I think you put yourself in a spot to win some championships. You know, because right now the reason why I think they the the main factor in why they lost to the Phillies is because Wheeler and Nola outpitched the Cardinals starters. You know, and then you know your your bullpen fell apart I mean, on characteristics. I don't know. I mean, we held we held their top of the lineup to their. I mean, Bryce Harper had the uh, a couple hits, but it too. wasn't like yeah, the home run game too, but. It wasn't like they were hitting 500 by any means, you yeah. know. Yeah, it wasn't like David Ortiz um, I mean, type they, numbers. Are the yeah the bullpen? I mean, gave up a lot of runs in the in the ninth right. in the first game. Um, on characterless, on characteristically bad. Like correct. Helsley yeah. had been pretty solid for most of the season. I don't. I've yeah, had people say he was the best and dropped the lights, dude. Right, problem. you know, because it's a day game. Yeah. Um. 
uh, yep, maybe he was dealing with the, the finger injury. Maybe he didn't need to get into games at the end of the year. I don't I don't know how you prevent that. Um, if he didn't have the injury and he didn't pitch at all and he gets hit around, then everyone's going to say he was rusty. Yeah, so you nope. can make whatever excuse you want when a guy doesn't perform, but ultimately he didn't perform. Um, people make the argument like, oh, you know, he had pitched the eighth. You should have had someone ready to go. Like, for what reason? Like, he pitched the eighth and he looked like a stud. And he struck out Hoskins to lead off the ninth. He looked great there, too. Like, it was yep. the, you know, little duck snout hit from Real Muto that he just dipped out in the left. And then it got out of hand in a hurry. And both guys that were warming up were starters. You know, and Plante and Flaherty. Like, it was going to take a minute. And, yep, the back-to-back walks and he lost it. Like, you could make the argument that he should have pulled, gotten pulled after the um, the second walk. Sure. Okay. Got it. Marmol has made a habit of giving everyone one more batter. If Helsley <laughs> yeah. gets the ground ball and gets out of the inning, or Helsley comes up with a big strikeout there, then who knows what happens. Um, he Then he hits hits the batter. Nothing you can do you know, there. All right, time to go get him. 2-1 game. The next ball, like, I don't know why Edmund was playing in, you know, in a, a double play situation to end the game. But either Even way, I was talking about there at the end, like the depth you're playing. Yeah, um, it was a it was a very weird defensive setup, but Edmund should make that play. Yep. You know, like it didn't like it wasn't a hard hit ball. It didn't like, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was an error, but if. Edmund just knocks that ball down. It saves a run. Like maybe no, maybe it's not an out, but it saves a run. Um, and so then it's, you know what, at that point it is bases loaded two two. And so then there's the ground ball that goes to, um, that goes to Goldschmidt. And if he throws home, it is a force out at the plate. So let's say they get that runner. So now it's bases loaded, two outs in a tie game. And then the ball that goes to Arenado, that should have been an E, like an air, E5, all day. I don't know how it wasn't. But even if he comes up and he makes that play like he should have, it should have been 3-2 to two in worst case scenario if you figure, okay, the, the run scored still or whatever. Um, or maybe Arenado doesn't turn that double play. Um, they get just one out and a run scored. So it's three to two Philadelphia, but instead it goes out and left and another run scores. Then there's a sack fly and another run scores. So it very easily, if the defense just shows up, it's three, two Philly, you know, maybe even two, two Philly. And then if the same aspect plays out in the ninth, the Cardinals either tie it up or they win on a walk off, you know, so Helsley, like the offense didn't get the job done. You know, the two, three, four, five hitters were dog shit in game one. Um, I don't think they had a hit or they had the one hit by Arenado in the ninth inning. Other than that, your two, three, four, five hitters hadn't had a hit all game. Um, your lone offense came from like Yepes with the pinch hit home run. I don't think they had a runner on third the entirety of the game until Arenado. And so the only two guys that touched third base were um, Carlson 
and Yepes on Yepes' home run. That's it. So the offense didn't get it done. The bullpen fell apart. The defense didn't show up when it mattered. Plenty of things that went south in that game. And then in game two, just the offense never did anything. Like, Michaelis didn't pitch bad. Um, gave up the home run. He got himself into some trouble. But Montgomery picked him up. You know, Montgomery was great out of the bullpen. Um, everyone that came in after Montgomery was good. But part of, you know, so questionable decisions on Marmol leaving Helsley in game one. Questionable decisions in Helsley, or in Quintana being pulled in game one. Like, he looked great yep. through his five innings. He was only at 75 pitches. Um, yeah, they, but they pulled Michaelis at 75 pitches. At least Michaelis, you can make the argument that he was getting hit around and he was in trouble when they pulled him. Quintana just, had, yeah. you know, was at 75 pitches had just gotten a leadoff guy out. Like, hadn't really been showing any weakness. And so it's like, all right, there's going to be an extra pitcher that you have to use, you know, to if you get, you know, Hicks gets the next two outs. So it's like you have Gallegos and Helsley who gets the ball to Gallegos. You know, where are you going to make up those outs? And they didn't. They tried to make them up with Helsley getting a five-out save, and Helsley was great for three outs. And then the wheels fell off. <laughs> so... I don't know if, like, Cabrera just wasn't available. I don't know if, like, you know, I'm assuming they were only carrying three, maybe four starters. Like, if you figure, you know, what, I don't, like, I guess maybe Montgomery would have been your expected game three starter. And so maybe you say five with having Flaherty and Wayno. But, like, why, like, if you were like, all right, we're going to have him on a short leash, why wouldn't you be like, all right, like Plante, you're going to be our multi-inning guy coming out of the pen like like Monty was following Michaelis. Like, why was that not just where your head was at? Like, all right, we're going to have Quintana start game one. Plante, you're going to follow him up. Michaelis, you're going to start game two. Monty, you're going to follow him up. And we're going to go to Wayno for game three if there is one. That's going to be our game plan. And then in game three, everyone and their mom's available to pitch out of the bullpen. You know, if we need you to pitch an inning, you're going to. But there's just no reason why you need to extend your your closer multi-innings for a, when there's a two-game series and you have 26 guys on your, on your team when you're carrying 13 pitchers for a three-game series. Like, there's just no reason to need to get five outs from your closer. So, I think that's, like, the biggest mistake, in my opinion, was not having those innings eaten earlier. Like, it should have been the seventh inning that you had someone else come in and pitch. Um, I don't, I, like I said, I don't know who all was hurt, but, you know, obviously, Flaherty and Plante were available. And if you weren't planning on using them as starters, why couldn't they just come in and pitch a clean inning by K. Hey, just treat this like it's the first. You know, you're coming into a game. We're going to make it as much like you're making a start as we possibly can. But no. Disagreed. Not the way it worked out. Yeah, and of course, like, it's it's very easy for, like, where we're sitting to back out. Oh, that was the wrong move. It didn't work out. <laughs> very true. You know, haha, like, I would do it so much better than you. 
Um, but I think like that's why there's so much relevancy to explaining why you think it was the wrong move. Like if you're like, well, it's the wrong move because it clearly didn't work out. Like if that's your stance, then just shut the fuck up. Like no one, no one cares what you're hearing. But if you're like, here's here's where my head was and here's what I would have done, then I I think it takes it takes some of the well hindsight's twenty twenty. Well yeah, like no shit. Like I when I have perfect information, it becomes very easy for me to make the right decisions. But you know it's like uh. Like, and it's, it's not Marmol, like, it, I think it's postseason baseball in general. Like, teams just do shit differently in the postseason, and I don't know why. Um, I think the Seattle-Houston game today is a perfect example. Um, Robbie Ray closing out a game, too. Yeah, like, like, you have, like, like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, Paul Seawald should be a household name, and, like, everyone should know who he is or whatnot. But I mean, he, like, it's not like he's some Joe Schmo. Like he, like I, I just pulled up his stat line. So that's why I know that's like, don't think I'm like some, you know, Paul Seawald Stan, but had 20 saves for Seattle this year. Um, pitched 64 innings. He had 72 strikeouts. Um, let's see if like I can find his, if we look at like some splits for like, lefty righty type stuff where where are those um yeah so uh versus right-handed batters they hit 130 against him left-handed batters they hit 167 against him um he he's been you know a a productive closer for you all year facing both handed hitters Without a problem. So okay, you're gonna you're gonna play the matchups. You have you have two outs, time like winning runs at the plate. You're you're gonna play matchups. Okay, we're gonna go lefty lefty. You know whatever. Um, at this point, I'm trying to see. Seawald had only thrown 18 pitches, so it's not like he, you know, was was going all out. Um, you know, like oh man, he's just unavailable. Um. Both, both runners that got on, I think it was uh, a hit, and then how did the other guy get on? Is it a fielder's choice, maybe? Um, oh, hit, hit by pitch, I think is what it was. Yeah, I think he, yeah, he hit a guy, struck out Altuve for the second out, and then gave up the single. That's right. And so they pull him, they go to Robbie Ray. All right, cool, Robbie Ray, Cy Young winner last year. He's, he's a stud. I get it. I understand. Robbie Ray's a good pitcher. Whatever. Robbie Ray has not been the, you know, Robbie Ray of Cy Young lore of last season. Um, he is, you know, he had like a 3.7 ERA. He's 12 and 12 on the year. His strikeout totals were down. Um, like in just about the same amount of innings, he struck out like 30 less guys. So he's not like this overpowering type pitcher that he was last year. Um, looking at his splits, you know, like right-handed hitters hit 238 against it or 236 lefties hit 212. So it's not like he's this shut down lefty on lefty. No one can touch him 
you know, type guy. Like, um, it's slightly worse. Like, right-handed batters are slightly better than left-handed across the board for a slash line. A little bit better batting average, a little bit better on base percentage, a little bit higher slugging, whatever. Um, he just pitched as a starter Saturday in Toronto. Got rocked. Like, he didn't look good. Um, it was Seattle having the huge comeback that got him off the hook of taking that L. So it had nothing to do with, you know, with what he was doing. So he hasn't been great. On top of that, so it was already a questionable decision in my opinion. Then on top of that, the lefty-lefty matchup that you have, let's see if I can find this fucking, like, the fucking box score. I want to look at, like, where the, where they show these pitches were on, like, on the pitch tracks. Oh, come on. Definitely uh, some questionable calls in the playoffs. Both sides, you know, um, got some not-so-savory calls. Yeah, so the first pitch, all right, so if you look at it, if you're looking at it as, like, a nine-square grid, um... The first pitch was middle on the outside part of the plate. And um, I think he fouled it off. Yeah. So sinker, essentially middle, middle, like the, the circle for where the ball came through, it touches that the grid line for it to be like middle, middle and middle outside. If that makes sense. And Alvarez fouled it off. So then Ray comes back with another sinker at, you know, you know, less than a mile per hour slower. It's like 0.9 miles per hour slower. And this one is, it like, it is basically almost dotted on where, like, the middle, middle, middle in, down and in, and middle down, like, where those four, you know, sections meet on the grid it's like right there and Jordan Alvarez hit it a mile and a half so if you're just gonna throw you know the equivalent of two fastballs straight down the pipe Seawald could have done that like what the fuck were you bringing Ray in for to throw two sinkers middle middle to arguably one of the best power hitters in baseball like what did you think was gonna happen like, do you have money on the game? Like, that Alvarez is going to hit a walk-off home run? <laughs> I wish I did. Like, I, you know, I've heard, like, there's been, I'm sure, tons of memes like, oh, Alvarez probably knew it was coming. Well, yeah, I guess. But, like, I'm sure even if someone banged on a trash can, he'd be like, no way. Like, th- there's no way that they're going to throw this. Like, lefty left me, and you're going to throw me just two, fa- like, two fastballs. I get there are sinkers, but it's a fucking fastball down the middle of the plate, like just straight down the chute. Why? Why is that your, why is that your pitch selection? But why is it what you're trying to do? And then if you were trying to get them down, well, you missed by a mile with your first sinker. So why the fuck did you go back to it? Like be thankful that you got a second pitch because you should have hit the first one a mile. So why are you going back to it? Like, oh, that first one was so bad. There's no way you'll think I'll throw it again. Like, is that your reasoning? You know, like, I, Ray has to have more in his arsenal. Like, he's not a bad pitcher. 
Like, he is a Cy Young winner. He did win, at least his Cy Young, it was in a very tough division over a full year. Like, it wasn't like Trevor Bauer's Cy Young winner. You know, his Cy Young season, 2020. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, he, he beat some, some good teams. He pitched really well. Like, he was amazing in 2021. So, he clearly can get guys out. So, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, you know, so, where where I will say that Marmol did not make the right decisions all the time, he, he made good ones. Like, I, I think that, like, pulling Michaelis when he did and going to Montgomery made sense. I think it worked out. Um, I think going to Pallante from, you know, Helsley's mishap was a smart decision, but then it was poorly executed with the defensive alignment. And I don't know that that comes from Marmol. I don't want to say that like, that's his decision, but either way, the ground ball happened and Edmund couldn't make the play. You know, a ground ball happened and Goldschmidt like couldn't make the play like Sosa beat the throne, which was great base running by Sosa. A ground ball happened and Arenado couldn't make the play. Like, there, there's a lot of things. Like, you can't fault Plante. Like, he got the ground ball. Marmol brought Plante in to get the ground ball, and they, they got ball. three of them. <laughs> like, and they couldn't get out of the inning. Like, that's not on Marmol or Plante. Like, that's on the defense. Um, so yeah, so it gets it's hard. Like, like you said, the, Albert and Marmol. You could pick them apart, and I don't know that there are these household names that are like, y'all, they're they're going to wow you, and they're going to get a team to a championship. But I feel the same way about Boone. And, like, as long as Boone just doesn't shoot himself in the foot, the Yankees should have a pretty successful year, as long as they perform. And I guess, like, you could argue that getting the performance out of a guy is the manager's job. And, like sure i i get it like look at the phillies uh under girardi they were floundering they brought in rob thompson and they've played great they you know won today beat atlanta like this is probably more than anyone thought they were going to do i think everyone kind of thought the phillies were going to be a layup in the in the wild card round um and they expected it to be the cardinals in atlanta and everyone's talking about how great that matchup will be and like way no pitching you know maybe kind of like an audition because if he doesn't go back to st louis but he doesn't want to retire maybe atlanta would be a good spot for him you know so it's like oh there's all all this you know going on yada 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 whatever um you know so so it seemed like everyone expected the phillies to kind of roll over and you know for i think for eight innings the cardinals really were the better team in game one and then everything went to shit in the top of the ninth and they couldn't recover you know being down four in the bottom of the ninth that's a, it's a large ask it's a pretty big lift and it's fine and then i think michaelis made one bad pitch to harper he hung a first pitch curveball and harper did what harper do hit it a long way and, and struck him out the next time around correct and they made adjustments and they held like like you said i think I think the one through five hitters for the Phillies had like two hits in the series. It was like Harper's home run and like one other hit. Um, their damage was like kind of coming from the bottom of the lineup. Um, when they had their big inning, it's because there were what three walks in the inning and a hit by pitch, or maybe it was two walks and a hit by pitch. And then in addition to that is compounded with 
two plays that, in my opinion, both should have been called errors, and Goldschmidt trying to make a play to save a run, where if he just would have taken the easy out at first, it would have, you know, not compounded the problem so much. Um, So it's like, oh, well, the bullpen gave up six runs. Like, well, yeah, but it, uh, I thought Turner just hit a bomb, but he didn't. He had that wall power. Um, right. <clears throat> yeah, so it's just like it, it's really hard to say like it was just this one thing. I think the Cardinals just didn't play good baseball. Or they didn't play great baseball for two days. And the Phillies mm. kind of did. Like the Phillies did what they needed mm. to do. They like they got the big time home run from Harper and then their bullpen held the lead, but they tacked on mm. another run. Something the Cardinals couldn't scratch across um, until I think it was Molina's base hit that sent someone to third. And I think maybe it was like Molina got on or no, because someone got a hit, then Molina got a hit and it moved that runner to third. And that was the first base runner that the Cardinals had reached third in game two. That's the only guy that they had. You know, was was just that one base runner. Other than that, nope. And again, it was like a new bar let off the game with a single that could have been, or that should have been called a double, but they gave like a single and an error. And like they stranded him. You know, you had your two, three, four hitters up there with a runner on second and no outs. And they didn't even advance him to third. Like not only did they not score him, but you didn't even advance them to third. You didn't even move the runner 90 feet. Like, the Phillies did more to move that base run, like, to move Newt Barr in that inning than the Cardinals did. And, like, that is a very easy way to lose baseball games. Now, I think I sent you the article where, like, <laughs> the Twitter sphere was like, fuck Arenado, fuck Colchmith, these guys suck. Get them the yeah. fuck out of here. Like MVP my ass. These guys aren't going to win a championship for us. And that might, that might be true. I, I think if you keep the team as it is, like if you, if the 26 names they run out are an accurate representation of the 26 names I listed off earlier, the Cardinals are not going to win a world series with Arenado and Goldschmidt here. Cause that, that team's just not good enough to win a world series. Like you're not gonna, you're probably not gonna beat the Mets in a series. You're pro like, well, maybe the Mets will fall off because I, I don't know what their team's gonna look like when Scherzer and Degrom are gone, um, and I don't know how long Bassett's under contract. So, well, let's not say the Mets, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna compete with the Braves in the next what Arenado would have five years left if he doesn't opt out. So at least like you know the Braves, I mean, lock everybody up to like the 2030s. So. Right. So you're, so let's say the next five years, if Arenado doesn't opt out, because I think that's what he has. I think it would have been seven years and he's been here too. So I think there'll be five years left if he doesn't opt out. And I think you have Goldschmidt for three more, maybe four. Because I think, I think it was a six year deal, right? And did they extend him before he played a game with us? Like they traded for him and extended him? Or was it the year after that they extended him? No, I think they extended him right away because they okay. added the extra opt out uh, and all that. So I think he he got an extension when he came. Well, over. for Arenado or for Goldschmidt? 
Oh, for who were you talking for about? For Goldschmidt. Oh, I was talking about Arenado. Right. That's yeah, where no, you said that actually opt out. That's fine. That was, that's, a, that was like a sign and trade. As that's, well. what, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and he's been here for three years, right? He was here the year before Arenado came over. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, so let's just say, we'll, we'll just say the next three seasons. That That's what we'll look at when Arenado and Goldschmidt are both under contract here. Not saying that Goldschmidt will leave necessarily after three years, but we just know for sure he'll be here. And with the roster that we listed out, I if they fill internally and they don't make additions, I don't think the Cardinals will beat the Braves in a series. I don't think the Cardinals will beat the Dodgers in a series. Um, I don't think the Cardinals will hang with the Astros. I don't think the Cardinals would hang with the Yankees in a series and I mean I guess we like I could salt in the wound by clearly they can't hang with the Phillies but <laughs> I I think that it was I was surprised at the outcome I I like I said I would have bet on the Cardinals and I would have thought that it would have went three games either way I just liked Wayno pitching game three over Ranger Suarez that's why I thought the Cardinals would take it um, but the meltdown in game one from Helsley changed. And Ranger Suarez pitched good against the Braves today, you know, a couple, couple spots, but he got out of it. Right. He did. So. Um, and their bullpen faltered again, Eflin yeah. giving up the big bomb. But so and that, that's the other side of it is that like, I, I'm surprised now the Phillies, they're a little bit different. Like they had. Like, they have Eflin. They moved him to the bullpen because they just didn't think he was going to be able to stretch out to be a starter. He had been a starter most of the year. They also have David Robertson, who is hurt um, and not on the NLDS roster. And he got hurt celebrating Bryce Harper's home run against the Cardinals in Game (laughs) 2. So, that's kind of funny. Um, Yeah, so, so I just, I don't... I don't think they have these, uh, I don't know, I, I don't think that they're going to compete with where they're at. So I guess it makes sense that people are like, just get them out of here because they aren't, they aren't going to win a championship for us. Um, and maybe that makes sense because as we both have admitted that if they do have them here, the need to feel like you have to bring in these other pieces is far less valuable you know like is the cardinals team more well-rounded if they if arenado opts out and in turn they sign turner and then maybe they trade goldschmidt and they bring in Contreras, or you know they trade you know, for Murphy, like say, I don't know that Oakland would have any reason to want to trade for Goldschmidt after they just traded away all their pieces last year. But say you trade for Murphy, and so you you move away some pieces there, but then like Jordan Walker comes up to play third. You know, you have, uh, you know, Win is a piece that you can trade away because you'd sign Turner. Um, Herrera or Kisner is a piece you can trade away because you traded four Murphys. Like they can go back in that trade. Um, 
you know, you find somewhere that maybe wants to take, like, you know, you trade, like, hey, we'll trade away, you know, Hudson, but you also have to take Matt's and his contract. And it's like they just start to rebuild in that aspect. And you start to be like, all right, like, we're going to have, like, we're going to re-sign Flaherty. He's going to be our ace of the future. And we're going to get Libertor up here. And we're going to get Woodford and Thompson up here. And we're going to build a rotation from internal, you know, like the Braves did with Freed and Anoa. And also, and then you're like, all right, we're going to bring in our version of Charlie Morton. You know, we're going to bring in, um, you know, like uh, Zach Grunke. Um, something along those lines. Like just the guy that has had success as a veteran or at, you know, in his major career as, a, as an ace. He doesn't need to be your ace. He can be your number four guy, your number five guy. He's really just there to be that teacher and show the right way to go about how to be successful because they he's been there. He's won it. He's gotten a job done. You know, whatever. You know, maybe, like, I don't know. Like, <clears throat> I don't think they would be able to bring in, like, a Clayton Kershaw because I feel like the fans would just hate him. <laughs> so, so, you know, but something like that, like, that you're like, all right, like maybe you spend, you know, fifteen million for like a one year contract for a guy that's maybe past his prime, but what you're bringing him in for is this other veteran aspect. Like, and and even if that ended up being like Wayno, if Wayno can be healthy, or you skip his start a few times, you're just like, all right, we're gonna limit your innings. We're only gonna try to get 150 innings out of you we're only going to have you make 22 starts on the year. And you know, you're going to have these other spot starts with guys like Pilate or Thompson or Woodford or Libertor, like that are currently down in the minors. And like, this is you ushering in these new guys, getting them an opportunity to work with them or whatever. Like if that's their approach, then I think it makes sense. Like it may, maybe, maybe your team's better long-term because of that. Like if you don't think realistically, you're going to compete, over the course of the next three years, then why not just try to make this youth movement and go full in now? Like, <clears throat> if Arenado opts out and you trade Goldschmidt with multi-year team control still, like, what kind of package do you think you can get back for that? Like, that's got to be, like, Juan Soto-esque, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You imagine, um, but then I guess... I guess does the does the rest of Nolan Arenado's contract or career have the same pool that you know the the potential of a lifelong deal with Juan Soto could be you know um, and or are as many teams in on Nolan Arenado you know we know the Dodgers uh, would be big fans um, of them but. Um, you know, I just don't know. Yeah, I the same market. I, I'd imagine there is, and you'd get a good haul out of it. I just think you might your expectations might not be as grand, just because the age, the dollars he's already making. <clears throat> right, and that's what I'm saying. I think from I think from an Arenado aspect, uh, an Arenado aspect, I think you're just hoping he like at this point if you're going to rebuild, it would be on the premise that he opts out. Um, I don't know that you would get a ton. Like, I'm not gonna say you would, you wouldn't get a good haul. I don't think that it would be this amazing thing because of the contract. Uh, Goldschmidt may be in the same boat. Um, 
but like, I mean, I, I would think that like, like even like, if you look at like the Yankees, for example, you know, like they, yes, like they're, they're looking to go to like this youth movement as well. But if it can be a situation where like you're willing, like say, you know, well, let's just say like, um, hypothetically, all right, Arenado opts out. So you decide to trade Goldschmidt and you're like, okay, we're going to trade Goldschmidt and we're going to get like, we're, we're going to take, um, I guess maybe Arenado would be the better option. Cause like, I don't think Rizzo's contracts really all that bad, but so let's say Arenado doesn't opt out and you deal Arenado to the Yankees and you're able to have it be like, okay, we'll take Donaldson in the deal and we'll take Donaldson's contract. Um, but they want like, uh, you know, a prospect level that's going to be like Jason Dominguez or something like the Yankees, like top prospect coming back in the deal. And you're really like, okay, like, well, we're, we're, we'll kick in, you know, like, we'll give you like the same like 15 million or whatever that we're getting from, we are going to get from Colorado. So we'll still foot that bill for you. Cause as soon as he opts in, we're getting that extra money. So we'll cover the last year of his contract. We'll pick up Donaldson's contract this year for you. So that, like you, you don't have to double pay for a third baseman and you don't have to find a home for Donaldson. We'll take him and we'll take on his contract. And you know, we just like, we'll take like, a pitcher, like a reliever that's in the minor leagues, like an Albert Abreu or something like that, and Jason Dominguez. You know, so now the Cardinals have this rebuild, like, hey, here's this top-end, high-end prospect center fielder that can be a part of what we're building in the future because he's probably like a year or two away from the majors, and they don't have to worry about it. Like, okay, like this is just what we're moving towards now. And yep, like sure they like they're not they probably won't be as good. Donaldson's nowhere near as good as Arenado. Um, but the reason for like the Yankees do it is like they're they're better. They're competing now. Like they're in their window. You know that they're trying to get a championship. I I don't know that they're gonna hit on every one of these prospects that they have. If they do, like if Oswaldo Cabrera and Peraza and Wells and Trey Sweeney and Dominguez and Spencer Jones all hit fucking phenomenal. Sure. Great. You know, that, that would be awesome. You know, Josh bro, like sure. Yep. I would love it. The Yankees front office and Yankee fans and the Yankee team and the franchise would be amazing. You know, resign judge, cool we're great like we don't we have 90 percent of our team under team control for the next six seasons all making less than a million dollars a year like the yankees are just like the yankee owners are just gonna bank money hand over fist steimer family is gonna be even like where we think they're stupid rich now it would just be so dumb the amount of profit that they make in a year you know awesome but that that's not realistic like that's not gonna be what happens they're not gonna hit on all of them so they're going to need to make moves somewhere. So you're just like, all right, like here, here we go. Like we're going to bring this in. Now we're going to win a championship. We haven't won one in a bit. You know, we haven't been to one in a, in a bit. Um, so I, I think that that could be a play that the Cardinals go with. If they aren't willing to bring in other pieces, 
because I think the team makeup that they have now isn't going to win a championship. And if you're not going to win a championship, really, what's the fucking point? Know what I mean? Truth. Um, I was on mute. Had to come up mute. Say truth for show. Oh, all good. Um, so let's see. We're we're at like an hour forty five, hour forty eight. Um, which is fine. I I figured that this conversation, like this episode, might be a lot of cardinal talk because mm-hmm. we there. You know, as long as the playoffs are going on, there's not going to be much else to talk about with them. Um, and Yankees will, at least next week, will have the, oh, shit. <laughs> like, they, they sucked it up against Cleveland. I mean, they got a W tonight, so we'll take it. Um, but for for me, I think the other thing that I want to touch on is this goddamn schedule and how ridiculous it is. Like, I hope that this is only a thing because of the lockout, because this scheduling system is just god-awful and seeing how things are playing out. Um, Like, the only team that I feel like in the LDS that was impacted by the wildcard round are the Padres, strictly because it went three games. Like, I feel like the Mets would have also been impacted had they won game three. But the Padres are, like, the only team that are seeing a negative impact. You know, when you look at, like, who pitched for the other teams that, like, the, you know, that came out of it, um, what the, the Phillies threw, Ranger Suarez, who's not a, not a stud, but he's not bad. Um, Seattle pitched Logan Gilbert, who's arguably their second-best starter behind Castillo. So they did the right thing, like, all right, we're going to throw Ray – and if we win with Robbie Ray on the mound, great. We have Gilbert for game one. If not, we'll go to Gilbert for game three against Toronto's number three pitcher. It's like they like gave themselves the best pitching matchup they possibly could after winning game one. Um, the like the, the Padres, they had to throw fucking Mike Clevenger, who pro- like probably wouldn't have started a playoff game if it weren't for them going three games like it would have ideally been Musgrove in this game and then they'd be able to come back with Darvish which is who will pitch tomorrow night I'm pretty sure because uh, what it'd be Saturday Sunday Monday Tuesday yeah so pitching tomorrow on normal rest so it's just the Padres because it went to three games is it um, I feel like I'm missing a team Phillies Padres Mariners Oh, and then the Indians through Cal Quintrell, which is, you know, they're they're fine with that being their number three. So the only way this would have been problematic for any team is if it went three games. If you win the first two, you're just like, okay, we're just throwing our number three, um, which is not as good. But any team that made the playoffs have three starters that are capable of pitching in a big game. If you don't have three starters that can pitch in a big game, you didn't make the fucking playoffs. So, like, it literally didn't impact anybody unless you went three games. And, you know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think it accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Then on top of that, you know, there's the day off that we talked about where, you know, the AL teams don't play tomorrow. So, 
Seattle and Cleveland get that other day. But they're even talking about now that there is bad weather rolling in to New York and they don't think they're going to be able to play on Thursday. So they're, if it rains out Thursday, they're going to have to push the game to Friday and then they would, it would remove the travel day. So they're going to have game one, two days off, and then they'll play four games in four days with no travel days going to Cleveland between games two and three and no travel days um, coming back to New York for game five if there is a game five. So it's like, who thought up this stupid fucking schedule, you know, to think that it was, it was relevant. Cause like, you're still going to have days where there are no games potentially, you know, like, cause series are going to end. Like there was only one game on, yes. on Sunday, you know, okay, cool. And if the Yankees and, and Indians are Indian, the Yankees and guardians, do get rained out on Thursday? Then you're going to have three games on Friday and only one game on Thursday. Um, and then if there's, yeah, like say that, say there's sweeps, then, then what? Then you're in the same boat. So it's like, it's so dumb to me. Like, all right, well we did it because we wanted baseball every day. Let's just fucking get over it. If there are four games tomorrow, Guess what? People are going to fucking watch four games. Yeah. You have it on in the background. Yeah. You're going to be paying attention to it. Uh, the problem is, you know, I mean, you're playing playoff games mid middle of the week, midday anyway. Like, right. You're limiting your viewers because that's in work hours, right. regardless of playoffs or not. So, yeah. So, the, and the only way to avoid that is if you're like, all right, like, we're going to just double up and we're going to have two games go at the same time, which should also be fine. Yeah. You know, like not everyone's going to watch every game. Right. You know? Especially if they're like, who do you think that there were a ton of people in New York that tuned in for the, you know, the Atlanta Philadelphia game that started at noon today, or, you know, on the West coast where the game started at 10 AM. Like are, are mm-hmm. you know, just people just taking that in and passing, you know, if they're going to take it in and passing, like, Sure then they, they can take the other game in and passing. So it, it's just it's just dumb to me. They need to get over the whole, oh, it, you know, whatever. Just get get MLB TV and have every game available. <laughs> like, sure. it's, it's also baffling to me, like, with this whole shit. It's like the only reason why I'm able to watch on an MLB TV is because you hooked me up. Like, that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, like, there isn't an MLB.TV playoff package that you can buy, which there 100% should be. I don't even care if it was yep. 50 bucks. Like, sure, I'll pay you $100, $110, $120, bucks, whatever it is, for the entirety of the regular season to give me no blackouts. Fuck, make it $150. Bucks. I, don't, I don't fucking care. Or tell me, like, let it be $200 a year at the beginning of the year, and I just get access to the home and away broadcast radio and tv for every game oh well there won't be home and away broadcast because bally's won't carry cardinals games so there won't be announcers cool then just fucking mlb hire 30 goddamn teams of announcers and guess what they hey you two just cover the cardinals if the cardinals are playing you're at the game and you're announcing it like 
Or the Cardinals can employ their own goddamn announcers. I don't care. Doesn't need to be by valleys. Cardinals can just employ announcers. How how can it be difficult? This oh, so stupid. <laughs> what mean you do it? We'll definitely be better than the people that do it on Apple TV. Oh yeah, I'll be down. You know, fucking open it up to fans. Who who wants to give announcing a shot? Yeah, here you go. Send in your tapes. They got to be better than the Apple TV crew. I don't care. Be as biased as you want to be. Talk shit on the ups. I don't give a crap. I'll, I welcome all of it. You know, you can tweet at them like while it's playing. Like, oh, that's a great point. Co- color commentary coming in, <laughs> coming in from the Reddits. Nice. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So I don't know. It's just so dumb to me. I can't get over the scheduling. I hope it is just because of the lockout and condensing everything, and they just knew, like, hey, this is going to be shitty, but it's only going to be for one year. It'll be better next year, I promise. Cool. Sure, maybe. But I just, I am not, I don't think the three-game series matters enough to where it's like, oh, hey, these other teams are detrimental. Like, they're impacted by it. You know, whatever. Like, I, I don't know. So, cause I, I think that like having to play an extra series, I guess is equally, in my opinion, is equally as detrimental as sitting for five days not playing. Um, I guess if you were to ask Cardinals fans, like I'm sure, if it were up to you, you'd be like, nah, I'd rather just have the first round by because we didn't even get to play in the division series because we got eliminated. You know, but, <clears throat> and I guess at this point, if LA holds on to this, the teams that sat would be three and one in game one today. Um, and Atlanta almost won. So sitting really didn't matter. And I think the better teams are going to win the series. Um, and I guess a best of three is better than a best of one. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I'm just like on on the fence still about how I feel about this 12 team playoff stuff. If you couldn't tell. Yeah. But anyway. You have an opinion, you know. <clears throat> yeah. You want it to be heard. You have a platform for others to hear it, so. Um So I guess real quick. So I know we both filled out brackets. I didn't oh, look, shit. and I know we didn't, or I maybe you didn't, didn't fill out a bracket. bracket. <laughs> no, okay. um, I I did. Um, I don't have it up in front of me. Um, but so so realistically, you know, what what would your predictions have been for the wild card round? Like, how accurate do you think you would have been in those series? Uh, I would have had. Like, I would have lost the Cardinal series, obviously. Same. I think I would have been picking the Padres over the Mets just on the pure basis of I made that comment that I wouldn't be scared of the Mets. Fair enough. And you were like, you wouldn't be scared of those two? And I'd be like, no. Yep. Well, and uh, and bomb, but, app- yeah. apparently you shouldn't have been. Scherzer giving up four yeah. bombs. Yeah. Um, I would have picked the Mets, Scherzer clearly. would have been, yeah. Scherzer would have been the one I would have been afraid of, but the other ones, you know, it's just 
you know, their availability is, you know, uh, a huge factor in just uh, not trusting them. So um, I would have been okay there. I would have picked Seattle for sure. Over Toronto? Uh, um, yeah, because I would have think I, I probably would have picked the team I would have rather seen win, and I would have picked Seattle there. So I would have got lucky in that pick. And then I would have probably picked the Rays over Cleveland. So, sure. <clears throat> yeah, so the difference with us would have been me taking the Mets. Um, I also took Seattle just because I thought that um, Castillo, Gilbert, yeah, that would have been another was, big one. Yeah, was a was a better pitching options than Manoa and whoever they threw out following that, um, which I think they had. I, I like not to say like what well, I think Gosman's really like their number two or number one. Um, so not to say like they have. No pitching, but it was like Gosman, Manoa, and then uh, what I guess would be like Ryu, something like that. And I just think that Seattle's one, two, three would be Don't better have options. Jose Barrios. Uh, yeah, I guess Barrios would have been it. Um, so not again. So not that they're they're bad. Um, I just I think that Seattle. I I think I would take. Seattle starters over Toronto's. Um, and I think that Toronto's offense is streakier than Seattle's. Um, so I think that that would have played a part. I don't think I would have, if I had to pick number of games, I don't think I would have picked a sweep by any means. Um, but they were at least good games. Like I will say the two games in that series were very enjoyable to watch. It was a lot of fun. Um, Mets, I, I think I would have probably expected them to sweep the Padres because Scherzer and DeGrom, I think it was, it was one of the nastiest one-two combos in baseball. Um, I, like we talked about a whole bunch, I would have taken the Cardinals over the Phillies. Um, and then I also would have taken Tampa Bay over Cleveland. Um, primarily because I think McClanahan and Glass now are nasty. And then the bullpen, where both bullpens are very good. I I am in awe of the pitching staff that Tampa Bay puts together every year, so maybe it's a little biased. Um, but those games were also a lot of fun. What I think Cleveland won 3-2 to two and one to nothing, and the one to nothing game was 15 innings. Um, so both very good games. But yeah, I would have been real bad with it. Um, and I thought that I was going to start off real bad today because in the LDS, it would very easily be Atlanta and the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Astros and the Phillies won. And then the Mariners were up early big on Houston and then I was like, oh, okay, great. Like, I'm just going to be wrong across the board. Yankees will probably lose. Then Quan hit the home run. And I was like, this is awesome. But then LA scored first, and the Yankees came back, and the Astros came back. And all is right in the world. Phillies, the Phillies almost blew their lead. So I think ultimately I will go four for four in the LDS. But we'll see. Still a lot of baseball left. 
any differences on on your end or or do you think that those are fairly accurate outcomes uh for this round yeah like dodgers yeah, would, yankees yeah, Braves, dodgers astros yeah. yeah 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 definitely would have been my four teams yeah so we'll see well, um I hope I'm I hope I'm right about one of those. I would really like to be wrong about the other three. <laughs> yeah. So Yep. Um but I'm glad I think like it looks like um I I will say I, I think that these playoff matchups are very entertaining. Um it, in this new format I don't know if it just happened to work out this way by luck or what the case may be. Um, but like I said, like, I feel like Cleveland Tampa Bay could have gone either way. And if Tampa Bay would have won, then in the division series where it makes sense that you're kind of competing for your division, you would have had the Braves and Phillies competing from the NL East. You have the Padres and Dodgers competing from the NL West, Mariners and Houston competing from the AL West. And then the Yankees and Tampa Bay competing from the AL East. Obviously, the Central Divisions would have been gone, but they're the jokes of the world, so you know whatever. Um, but the the so the League Championship Series would have been you know East Coast versus West Coast in both leagues. Um, so I think that that is is kind of cool. Um, and of course, like you. Like you're you're gonna have your your top two division winners are are guaranteed to be in there, um, which they always were before, so it doesn't change much. Um, but you get to see a team like get hot, like a situation with Philadelphia playing Atlanta, or um, the Mariners taking on Houston, that you kind of get to see like, oh hey, like you you knocked out. Um, or sorry, not Seattle, like that you would have if Tampa Bay beat Cleveland, like, hey, you beat a division winner, so you kind of stole their spot. Um, the rest of the playoff field, it's kind of as expected, you know, number one playing a wild card team in the AL, Houston playing Seattle, and then the other two division winners facing each other. That's how it normally would have been when it was just the one wild card. That's how it would have been when it was five teams and they had the one game wild card. But in the NL, you know, the Cardinals being a division winner getting knocked out where their spot was guaranteed. You're getting to see like, hey, the Phillies won two games. They're playing hot. Confidence level's there. Let's see what they can come out and do. And then them winning, you know, taking a big lead and holding on to it against the Braves today. I think this is the kind of story MLB hoped to create with adding in the six seed. Um, so it's cool to kind of see how it how it plays out. Sucks that it is at the expense of your team, but you know you can. Uh, may, maybe the Phillies will win it all, and you can be like, "Ah, oh, we lost to the champions. It's fine." Yeah, I was just losing the champions, you know. Yeah. Dodgers. Well, the Braves. Braves. Last year. Phillies. Yeah, we just lose no more. <laughs> well, the the Cardinals lost to the Dodgers last year, and the Braves won the championship. Yeah, but we would have lost. You know, there <laughs> you did, too, so. and then you lost to the Padres. Yeah. And the Dodgers won. But you did lose to the team that then got knocked out in the next round by the champions. Um, and in 2019, you did lose to the champions in Washington. Yeah. So it's there. It, it's, you know, close enough. Um, 
Thayel really needs to win a championship, man. That's three, bunch three of scrubs. Yeah. What? It's been a bunch of scrubs. It's been since the shitty Red Sox and shitty Astros. Fuck that. Needs to be a, a new team that doesn't cheat from the AL to win a championship. <laughs> Damn, fuck. The AL sucks. But cool. Yeah, when it comes to winning important games, dude, the AL's trash. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so plenty more weeks to come as we uh, wrap up MLB playoffs. Football's in full effect. Hockey's getting ready to start. I think they start this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Blues have their home opener and whatnot, or season opener. I think they're at home to start the season for one game. I don't have a game until, like, late October, and it's like their sixth game of the season. <laughs> Damn, like, I'm getting a, getting a late start. Blues already have an, an identity by the time I get to see them play. Yep. You have to buy a <laughs> ticket to one of your games is not your games. Yeah, probably not. That probably won't happen. <laughs> maybe if yeah, maybe if I get um maybe when I get the money from my brother for his portion of the tickets, then I'll be a little bit more prone. But as of right now, I'm just paying for all of the games, and uh, <laughs> there's five of them that I don't even have tickets to because they're they're just going to Kurt. So yeah. Maybe it'll be easier to spend more money when my investment's done. You'll have uh, you'll have money for playoff tickets, you know. Yes, I, I definitely will have money for playoff tickets. That's for sure. Yeah, you got a savings building up right now for playoff tickets. That's all it is. Yep, yep, accurate. All right, cool. I think we got everything that's on the agenda for the most part. Um, anything else you wanted to hit on? No, I think I'm gravy train. All right, well, we can wrap it here. I'm going to hope the Padres can come back here in the ninth. Down we're pushing two. a little bit ago, but not enough. Yeah. But cool. All right. Happy 100 episodes. Here's the 100 yeah, more. Um, as always, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, stay cool. Peace. Bye.